grab your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans, Romans 1 this morning. And it starts out and it says, Paul, a servant of Christ, Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with the power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and, and for his name's sake, we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to, be obe- to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith has been reported all over the world. God, whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel gospel of the Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you. In my prayers at all times, I pray that now, at, at last, by God's will, the way may be open for me to come to you. I long to see you. So that I may impart to you some spiritual gifts to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware. Brothers, I plan many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I may uh, have a harvest among you, just as I have, from, uh, have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated to both Jews, or Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and to the foolish. This is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Now, the last few weeks, we've been kind of going over the introductory remarks of, of Paul, and Paul introduces him, uh, himself, and, and he's very quickly to, to, you know, he moves on to introduce the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he talks about how, how the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled the Old Testament prophecies and predictions that, that he went back and looked at them. He basically, Paul basically had a PhD in Jewishness. And we've talked about how he grew up and, and how he grew up in a great Jewish family. And that Jewish family was really into, you know, they wanted him to be educated. And he rose up in the, in the Jewish world and became one of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin is one of the 70 leaders. Think of our Supreme Court. The Sanhedrin is one of the 70 leaders plus the high priest, so 71, that ruled on all things Jewishness. And then Paul's going down because he, he got permission from the Sanhedrin to go after the Christians these little Christs, these guys that are causing all these problems by introducing Jesus as God. And he, you know, he basically, they said, you can go kill them. And he's on the road to, to, to Damascus to do just that. And he was totally just blinded on his way. And this goes back to, I think, Acts chapter 9. And, and he's totally changed by this. He meets Jesus at that point. 
And we talked about that last week, about, uh, about how he connected to, to, to Christ at that point. He started connecting all the dots and all the things that he had learned as he grew up in the Jewish faith. And he starts to understand all these old prophecies that go, uh, that go with being the Messiah. And so now his, uh, he, he starts to understand and his eyes are opened in a sense. And he sees the 300 prophecies and how they match up to Jesus the Messiah. And Paul, we, we talked about how he knew the scriptures and he still missed it. About how many of us can be so religious and still miss Jesus because it becomes about the religion, it becomes about the rules, and not about the relationship that we have with our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we often wonder, how can they miss it? Well, Paul's a perfect example. And, and Jesus gave a great example when he blinded Paul. He literally put something like scales over his eyes. And oftentimes we're like jumping up and down screaming, how can you, I mean, it's so obvious, it's right there. And it's like blinders on the eyes. You're just not looking for it. It says here in verse 2, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son whom as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and through the, whole, uh, the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Now the word declared here is a very important word. In the Greek it means to, to uh, mark out a boundary, to mark out a territory. Think of uh, you own a plot of land, you, you, you put a boundary around that, that land, Right? I mean, think about our backyards. Most of us have fences, right? You know, it's like, don't come over my fence. That's my boundary. You, you stay on your, your side. So he's marking out a boundary. And the resurrection actually put a boundary around who Jesus is. It marked out a territory in a sense. It declared. It showed who Jesus was just by his resurrection. Therefore, you might, you know, Paul's basically saying, because we have this resurrection, you guys might want to go back and look at the scriptures and see what the scriptures have said. And many people have come and done this, and they looked at it, and, and they still, you know, they, they come and, and they, they know the scriptures, but they don't go back and look at what it says about who Jesus is. And the dots never get connected. Now, there have been many people over the years who have uh, considered themselves a Messiah figure. And, uh, you know, they, they've all been proven, you know, uh, false except for Jesus. I mean, just even in our recent history, modern times, uh, the cult of Jim Jones started in San Francisco. Many of you know the story. The younger people might not. But many of you know the story. You know, he was, he was a, a great, uh, in the beginning, he was a really good preacher. And he was a really good orator. And he could bring people into the storytelling and all that. And, and his church started to grow, uh, grow and grow. And, but he started getting more weird and more, I mean, weirder and weirder and weirder. And, and this big congregation just followed him blindly. And many of them moved to Guyana with him and, and stuff. And, and then, you know, our government's going, weird things are happening down there. So they, they sent somebody to investigate. They actually ended up killing a congressman, I think it was, and, and all that. And the whole congregation committed suicide by drinking Kool-Aid laced with cyanide. So that's where we get the term, drinking the Kool-Aid. You hear that drink, you know, you just following blind, blindly along, you know. That's where the term comes from. Now, if Jones had come back to life 
after three days of sitting in the hot Guyana sun with his body deteriorating, we would need to look at him and ask, was he the Messiah? I mean, wouldn't that be legitimate to ask? Absolutely. But did it happen? No. He's still in the ground. He's buried. Same thing with David Koresh, you know, the, the guy in Waco, you know, and, and there's been many people who have done this. Now, Jesus said some really kooky things. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, those who have grown up in the church, we've heard these things all our life, and, and we go, oh, yeah, yeah, he said this, he said that, okay, okay, yeah, we, we agree with that. But if you hadn't grown up in church and you just started reading this, you would go, what? He said this? I mean, you know, but he backed it up. See, that's the difference. He backed it up because he showed the power over death. He showed the power over, over you know, right, uh, allowing people to come back from, to, to life. He showed the power over demons, the power over nature. He spoke with one who had authority, even though he did not grow up learning all these things. And then ultimately he died, but he resurrected from the dead. He showed he had ultimate power. He is who he says he was. So now, who did he say he was? Well, let's look at the scriptures. We go to John 8, 28. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, and that I do nothing of my own, or on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what he pleases. So Jesus lays it all on the line and said, I have never sinned. I and my Father are one. I do what pleases my Father. Now, if someone in this room made the statement, I have never sinned, (laughs) some of us would actually go, Yes, you did. I was actually with you. And I sinned along with you. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Every one of us has sinned. I mean, one of the reasons why some good, very good people don't run for office is because as soon as they run, everything they've ever done in their life comes out in the public, you know, into the public domain, right? I mean, do you have skeletons in your closet? I mean, just ask Bill Clinton. I did not. (laughs) Um, Yes, you did? I mean, everyone has skeletons. And we don't want those revealed. I mean, some of us, our skeletons don't actually fit in the closet, so we store them in the garage. And then once that fills up, we, we get a storage container and put more in there. You know what I'm saying? Jesus Christ had no skeletons in his closet. And he said, I have never sinned. No one came forward and said, yes, you did. You did the other day. They just got mad because they knew the truth. Another thing that Jesus said is John 14. John 14, 6. It says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my father as well. From now on, you do not know him. Uh, you do you do know him and have seen him. Jesus Christ claimed to be the way. Not to just know the way, 
He claimed to be the way. He is the way. He was the way. He is the embodiment of truth. And then he backed it up by raising himself from the dead. See, Paul brings up the, the whole idea of the resurrection in, to the Romans very quickly. Because if you don't believe in the resurrection from the dead, then you will ignore everything else in the Bible. That is the key thing. If you don't believe that, then none of it, you know, it doesn't matter. But Jesus backed it all up with his actions. Look at John 17, John 17, 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I mean, this is either really right or this guy's just a kooky guy. I mean, he is saying... And he, he, what's going on is he's praying for his disciples before the night before his crucifixion or, or right before his crucifixion. He says, Father, glorify me with everything I had when I was with you when we created all of this. That is what he's saying. Jesus was not just a nice guy. He is claiming to be around before the world even existed. He's saying, I preexisted you. Luke 5, it goes on, he goes on another statement. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. Now, who can forgive sins? Only God can. Only God can forgive sins. Therefore, Jesus is saying, I am God. This is why the Pharisees got so mad. They wanted him to be a good prophet. They wanted him to be a good priest. They wanted him to be all these good things. But they did not want him saying, I am God. And that's exactly what he did. They didn't get mad because he was healing people. As long as he didn't do it on the Sabbath, okay? Because, you know, we have rules. But when he said, your sins are forgiven, this really ticked them off. You can't say that. Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus goes, yeah, you're you're right. Only God can. Luke 23, 3 says, you know, when Pilate was talking to him, Pilate asked Jesus, are you, the kings of the, are you the king of the Jews? And, of course, his reply was, oh, no, that's just a rumor, right? Oh, no, 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 no. Don't, I don't know how that started. You are the king of the Jews, Pilate, you know, so not me. No, he said, yes, it is. It is as you say. John 18, uh, John 18 he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, asked Pilate. Jesus answered, you are right in saying, I am a king. John 10. I give them eternal life. I mean, talking about delusions of grandeur here. Talk about having a Messiah complex. You know what I'm saying? You've all heard that term, right? Messiah complex? Well, the problem, well, not the problem, but the great thing is he actually is a Messiah, so he can have a Messiah complex. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father am one. Jesus claimed to be able to give eternal life, you know, on people who believed in his name. Now, if we've grown up in church again, you take this for granted. This is a radical claim. Join the club, believe in my name, 
and you have eternal life. Wow. John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That is a great question. Do you believe this? You know, there's some great religions out there that have a lot of good people in them. I mean, there's the Dalai Lama out there. There's Buddha. I mean, he he teaches self-control. Have you ever seen pictures of or statues of Buddha? Teaches self-control. Allah is out there. But Jesus didn't say these are all different ways to God. He didn't say that. He said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. This is very narrow. This is very narrow-minded. And because I believe in this, does this make me narrow-minded? Absolutely. I'm sorry. That's what I believe. It saddens me that Muhammad Ali passed away this, you know, over the past couple of weeks here, or you know, I guess a week and a half ago. He is a good man who is not in heaven. Not sure if you knew this, he had a great relationship with Billy Crystal, who happens to be a Jew. Okay? Called him his little brother. And being a Jew, I mean, so, so you see, not all Islamic people are terrorists, right? But do we have to worry about the ones that are? Yeah, we do. Okay, but not all of them are. But just because he treated Billy Crystal as a friend, it doesn't mean he went to heaven. The really sad thing is he told Billy Crystal once when they were at a friend's funeral, he leaned over to him and he says, I hope I've done enough good deeds to be able to make it to heaven. Wow. He was in a work-based religion. If I could just do enough, if I could just be good enough, if I could just treat people good enough, if I could just serve good enough, then I can make it to heaven. Is this the way we get to heaven? No. We get to heaven because our belief in Jesus Christ, because he has enough mercy and grace to give to us once we believe. Now, do we do good works after we believe? Absolutely. We do that because our Father, you know, because we want to please our Father. We don't do that because, oh, that gets us to heaven. No, our belief in Jesus Christ that he rose from the dead, he died for my sins, that is what gets us to heaven. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And he conquered death to prove it. Luke 18, 31 Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him. They will insult him. They will spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. He predicted his own death and resurrection. I mean, couldn't you imagine the disciples afterward going, you know, after all the, you know, after it actually happened, going, he said all this would happen. Think about it. Can you predict your own death? I mean, other than suicide, and we're not going to go there, okay? Can you predict your own death? 
you know, that you would get in a car accident or you would have a heart attack or, or, or you would live a, a, to a ripe old age and, and possibly die of natural causes in your sleep because that's what we all hope for, right? I mean, that would be really weird. If people came along and said, you know what, they said this was going to happen. They said this, you know, three months ago. They said this three years ago. They said this, and we'd all be amazed. But on the third day, would you come back to the tomb? Come back from the tomb? Rise from the dead? No. Only Jesus Christ did that. Matthew 24, if we want to get ahead of ourselves, it says, For, for as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so it will be, in the, be the coming of the Son of Man. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give, out, uh, give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky, and all the nations on the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory. I mean, back then, if you said this, they would look at you like you're crazy. You mean everybody's going to see it? I mean, today we have satellite TV. Everybody's going to see whatever happens, right? Paul is going out there and he's giving the good news. Paul says, I have the cure for the world, and the world needs to hear it, and they want to hear it. And this is why Paul is preaching this way. This is why Paul's writing these letters. The Jewish Messiah has the salvation for the whole world. And Paul goes, in Romans 1.5, Paul says, Through him, for his name's sake, we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. Paul says, I have been appointed as an apostle with grace. And for for me to actually become an apostle, it took a lot of grace. Think about this. If you were saved, how much grace did it take to save you? How much grace did it take for someone to, to want to marry you? I mean, love is forgetting about the things that bug you, right? I mean, my wife has so much grace for the idiotic things that I do. You know what I'm saying? And, of course, I have all this grace for the one bad habit she has because she only has one, right? How much grace does it take for someone to want to stay married to you? How much grace does it take for someone to want to, to stay in the next cubicle at work you know, next to you, or want to to work with you. Thank God for grace, right? I mean, divorce, you know, happens a lot because of lack of grace for each other. And I'm not talking about the the huge mess in a marriage or something like that. Uh, You know, a lot of times that starts to happen because there's no grace at the beginning. And over time, it just builds up with no grace and no grace, and it finally results in a huge deal. It takes a lot of grace to to be loved. It takes a lot of grace to love people. I mean, if you think about how much grace God has given me to love me, and then I remember to give that grace out to others when they rub me the wrong way. You know what's amazing about grace? Grace, for some reason, leaks away, leaks out. 
You know what I'm saying? You get all this grace from God, and, and it needs to be refilled. I mean, somebody rubs you the wrong way, and, and you know, I have to reach down and, and grab for some grace and want to give them some, yet sometimes when I reach for the grace, it's not there. And I think, well, it was full the other day. I mean, I listened to four Christian songs. I mean, four in a row, and it was full of grace. So I go to God, and I say, I need more grace. And here comes the dump truck back to my house. Beep, beep, beep. And it just dumps all the grace. And I'm like, great. I'm glad I have enough grace. I mean, now I can start giving out grace. And God goes, no, no, no. Alan, that's just for you. That's the grace for me to love you. Then another dump truck's coming so you can love other people. To all who are in Rome, or to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Another translation here says the beloved of God, where it says loved. The beloved of God. This is agapetos, or agapetos. It means those that are very dearly loved, the beloved ones. This is grandma calling her kids, oh, I just love my kids. They can just, my grandkids, they just do no wrong. Agapetos. This is what Paul's saying about the Roman Christians. I just love you, and I want to keep you, and I want to call you my own. What was that to old, uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Hmm? George, I just love you, I want to keep you, I want to call you my own. Okay, no one? Cartoon? Some reaction a little bit here, guys. To all who are in Rome, whom are loved by God and called to be saints. And I love this, it's, which is hagios, holy ones, saints, pure people, dedicated people. This is grandma again. This is not only does she love you, you can do no wrong, and she will never criticize you. The agapetos that is the saint, the hagios. Or hagios. I mean... Any, any of you have a, a person in your family that, that never, never, I mean, never will say anything negative about somebody else? I mean, if you do, that's a great blessing. I mean, it, it, we, you know, it, it's even fun trying to get them to say something negative about them, you know? And they just never will. This is what this is talking about. That type of attitude. You are loved by God. God does not see you as negative. God does not see your sin. God does not see. He sees who you truly are. Paul hardly knows these guys, but he does know some of them. And he says, I have a lot of, you know, I've heard a lot about you guys. Paul has this grace about him that he just loves everybody. I mean, he truly loves them. The Holy Spirit has given him so much grace that is spilling out onto others this infection for the body of Christ. He calls them saints. Now, unfortunately, this word has been co-opted by religion. And religion, the church has taken it and changed it to say, here are your saints. When in reality, we are all saints. I mean, even the Pope is, is fast-tracking saints right now. I don't know how you fast-track a saint, but you do, you know? I'm not really sure this is up for people to decide. Oh, you're a saint? You're not a saint. I mean, let's honor awesome people. Let's honor those who have worked tirelessly for the kingdom of God. Don't get me wrong. Let's hold those up as, as saying, man, that, that's people I want to, to follow in footsteps after. But 
to say that they're a saint and some are called saints and some of you aren't, uh, you know, for us to decide that, I'm not sure. Not our call. Not our call to make statues of them and call them saints. What is really weird is that uh, we are all saints. Now, why is that weird? Well, because we know us. You know, we joked around a few weeks ago that you should call me St. Alan, and a couple of you actually did afterward. You know, it was kind of funny. You know, but it's really weird for us to think of, you know, saint and put your name in there. Because we know us, right? We're like, I'm, I'm, no, I'm no saint. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, yes, you are. Now look to the right or left. Somebody around you, look at them. No, really, really, look at them real quick. Okay? Now imagine buying a statue of them. Maybe a little one for your dashboard. You know? To call yourself a saint even sounds a little prideful, doesn't it? Well, what are you doing today? Well, I'm going to work and then I'm going to Wednesday night Bible study. Yes, you have to be a saint to join the Wednesday night Bible study. I mean, come on, you know. The Bible says we are all saints. We are all made holy. By whom? Jesus Christ. Not by works of righteousness. I'm sorry, Muhammad Ali. It doesn't work that way. But according to his mercies. Verse 7, it says, To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul greets them in a beautiful, beautiful way. He gives them grace and peace. Grace is the word charos. Uh, it's where we get the name charissa. Uh, it means favor, uh, merciful kindness of God, joy or pleasure, or delight. That is grace. Peace is the word Irene. We get this, you know, the, the Irene, or we get the English word Irene from this. Uh, uh, you will know, uh, some, it was a very popular name, name for uh, the previous generation. Think of grandparents or, you know, a little older than that. A lot of them are named Irene. Uh, today we would just call them peace. You know, we, we just name kids anything nowadays. You know what I'm saying? Um, but, uh, you know, these are beautiful words. It means rest. Freedom from worry or tranquility. Beautiful words. Paul is greeting us with this. And we think, great. But no, 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 you don't understand. If you were Greek, if you were a Greek person, you would always greet one another with grace. You saw each other, you'd be like, grace, 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 okay? If you were Jewish, you greeted you know, one another with peace, shalom. You go to Israel today, you'll say, you know, shalom. You know, every, everybody says that. And what he's trying to do is he's trying to bring these two worlds together. The Jewish world has been changed by Christ and the Greek world, grace and peace together. He's bridging these two groups. Grace and peace to you from, the, from, the, from God, our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will see Paul mention the Trinity all the time. He mentions two of them right here, God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ, it's three different names, Lord Jesus and Christ. And it's important for us to understand these three different names. Lord is the word uh, kurios. It means owner. It means boss. It means master. This one bugs us as Americans. We don't like bosses. That's why many people have their, you know, start their own companies and stuff. They don't want a boss. 
Now, the word Jesus in the Greek is, uh, it's Jesus in the Greek, or Hebrews, Yeshua, or Jehovah, Jehovah's salvation. And Christ is Christos, meaning uh, anointed one, or Messiah. And this is where, you know, any time, like Christmas, if, if anyone ever writes Xmas, you know, as Christians, we get all excited. <gasps> How could you? You're taking Christ out. You're exiting Christ out. No, that's just the first letter of Christos, okay? And it's abbreviation. So don't freak out so much, people. So it, it is the anointed one who is the boss, who is the salvation of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the three names of the Son of God. He has all three names, whether we like it or not. Some of us don't like the master part, but we can't just leave that out if we don't like the master part. You can't do the one-third loving thing, right? I love your salvation. So glad you saved me. I don't want the boss. No, no, leave that out. You know, we can't do the one-third or two-third, you know, it's not true love that way. The problem is that we accept salvation, but not the Lord part, oftentimes. Let's look at the Lord again, and you can pick your favorite. Master, owner, ruler, chief, or boss. Now pick the one that's your least favorite. Master, owner, lord, chief, or boss, or ruler. Take the one that you don't like the most on that. That's the one you need to work on this next week. That's the one you need to call Jesus all week. Okay, boss, what do you want me to do today? Okay, boss, I really screwed up today. Let me tell you what I did. Our ruler. Okay, owner. Oh, no, 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 no one owns me. I'm an American. Well, if I gave, gave you a choice of Lord Jesus or Christ, which one would you be the most comfortable with? See, that's the one you're good on. But the other two you may need to work on. Well, how do you get up? Well, you get up and you, you pray, Lord, you are my master today. You are my owner today. You tell me what I should be doing today. How I should treat my coworkers. How I should, should do my job. Or Jesus, I need your saving grace today. I need to know that I'm fully, fully saved. I mean, I believe, but help me believe, Lord. Or Jesus. Or take Christ Help me see that you are the anointed one. You're not just a great person. You're not just, uh, uh, you, you know, you're the Christ. You're the anointed way. You're the way, the truth, and the life. So he is our boss, but I don't want a boss. That's why I divorced that guy. He treated me as if he was my boss. This is why I left that company. He, you know, I didn't like my boss. Well, as a Christian, you better get used to a boss or you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ the way you thought you knew him. He is also our Savior, Yeshua. It means you can't save yourself or anyone else. He has to fix you. You know, salvation implies rescue. Rescue implies things like drowning or being lost in the woods or you fell out out of the boat in the ocean or the lake or you're under the car and and the, the the thing holding it up collapses if you ever need salvation it doesn't mean oh just a little help there are times when brandon cries out i need help hello 
Anyone hear me? And when he does that, we take our time. You know, it's not like we're going to go running off. But there are times when he goes, emergency, whoop, 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 emergency. And for him, it is an emergency. Okay? And that's when we go running. I mean, usually it's a huge, 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 huge dime-sized spider um, or something like that. But in his mind, he needs rescuing. But for us as believers, it is about salvation and rescue. You without Jesus, unfortunately, are headed for hell. That is a person without Jesus. Because of your own sinful behavior that you inherited. It's not fair. But as I'm trying to teach Brandon all the time, life is not fair. Only Jesus can change that. He has to save you. See, Jesus isn't the guy that that rescues you from the big bad spider. No, he is your salvation. He's what rescues you from hell. You know, we love wearing crosses. But what does it really mean for us? I mean, maybe we should be wearing electric chairs. You know, or maybe every day we ought to get up and put on a big life preserver, zip it up. I mean, there's really fancy ones. It looks like sharks, little fin in the back. Every time Brandon wears, I should have put the picture up of Brandon wearing one of those. I mean, every time he wears it, everybody just, oh, that's awesome. But Jesus is our life preserver. Maybe we should be wearing that instead of a little cross. Maybe it means something a little different. We need to get to know Jesus for who Jesus really is. This is how we date people, right? I mean, think back to when you were dating, younger age, right? You dated people to get to know them, right? And you went out over and over and over. You spent time with them. That's what we need to do with Jesus to understand who he really is. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my boss. He is my Savior. He is the anointed one. He has the authority of God, and this is why he can be Lord Jesus Christ. Somehow, some way, many of us have left this at the door of our hearts. And we like religion that serves us. How can religion serve me? Not one where we actually serve our Lord. I mean, I want a God who serves me. I want a God who gives me things. I want a God, I can just go and pray, and it should happen because I prayed. Because the Holy Scripture said, if I pray for it, it'll happen. And that's such a twisting of the Scriptures. We serve a God. A God who, who saves us. That's who we serve. To be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ is to give up everything in our life. To trust Him. He is the only one that can be trusted. He's the only one that can be trusted with me, with my family, with my kids. And we start to learn His voice. We start to learn His ways. We start to learn His desires for our life. And we begin to enjoy that. And that is where real joy comes in our life. Instead of wearing ourselves out trying to be happy. Paul says in verse 8. 
basically says, you guys are really cool for, for you're, you're really famous for being cool Christians. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Paul hits them with the Lord Jesus Christ thing. But Paul also wants them to know that they are famous for being Christians. Because the world is out there talking about them, talking about their faith. What a really cool thing, you know, that is. Because we like to talk about people, don't we? I mean, come on. I bet you've talked about somebody this morning. We love talking about people. And oftentimes it's in a negative sense, unfortunately. But wouldn't it be really cool if we were out there talking about other people who, you know, because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Wouldn't it be really cool if people were out there talking about us in this world? You know how cool Alan is? Or you know how cool Joshua is? You know how cool Ken is? You know how cool, I mean, just pop your name right in there. Wouldn't it be cool if the world was out there talking about you because of your faith and the things that you did because of your faith? And that they would recognize that it comes from Jesus Christ and not just you. Or maybe it starts out as they're talking about you because, wow, I can't believe they did this. It's such a cool thing. And then one day they start to understand that the reason why you did that was because your belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul is saying to the, uh, to the Romans there. The world is out there talking about you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Hmm. Too often we get wrapped up in our own little selves. Lord, save me from this. Lord, save me from that. Instead of saying, boss, savior, anointed one, What do you want me to do today in this world so people would think it was really cool that I believe in you? They may come to your feet. That's what we need to be praying about. Too often we're thinking about just surviving. Surviving the day, surviving the night. What's my schedule? I got two kids running around, they're driving me nuts. You know, all those things that we try to survive from. My job, my car broke down, I got to pay another $1,500. Whatever it is that you throw in there, we worry about that when God is like, but when you go down there to get the car fixed, I want you to be so nice to them that they see the Lord Jesus Christ in you when you talk to them. You see, it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it should be about in our lives. Don't leave him at home. Don't leave him at this door. Don't leave him in the mornings or the evenings. Take him along with you as you go out into this world. Amen? Well, why don't you stand and let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we come before you as sinners, as people who want we look at stuff and we say, oh, that'd be so cool to have. But Lord, you want us to look to you and say, you have provided everything I need. I pray that during this next week that you show yourself to us in different ways. That we would see you out in this world and active. 
that others would see you through us as we go out into this world. Whether it's dealing with little kids or dealing with adults or work environment, home environment, whatever it is, Lord, that you would be right dab, you know, smack in the middle of it, Lord. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you this week. And may he work and show himself through you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.